Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Terrain podcast for Grain Week 47, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northy, and I'm joined, as always, by Milt Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Wonderful, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So we'll catch up this week on weeks 46 and 47, because we didn't have a podcast last week. But um, what are you seeing? Uh, what did you see in these two reports? Well, very much like what we've been seeing for the better part of three months now, um, performance in both weeks 46 and 47 for both railways was good once again. Um, we saw a very minor dip in CN performance in week 46. And when I say a dip, you know, they went from 98, 99% order fulfillment down to 95, but all in all still very good. Um, I mean, to put that in, in context, CN has now on a weekly basis delivered 90% or more of cars ordered by shippers on time for 12 consecutive weeks. And CP has actually, you know, been even a little bit better than that. They've hit that milestone um, for 14 straight weeks. So it's been really good after what was a, an incredibly difficult winter. I think most people would agree. It, it uh, is poised certainly to continue on that track. And we're seeing the same thing at the provincial level, which is what you would expect. If system performance is that good and that consistent for both railways, you would expect uh, performance within the individual provinces to, to tag along. And that's in fact, what has happened. And from a demand perspective, uh, demand from CN particularly is, is quite lower than the last two years or is CP also low or how, how's demand looking? Are we, are we on this demand trajectory of quite, you know, quite, quite a divergence from, from previous years? Um, Demand is down, has started to trend downward for both railways. Um, both are below um, last year, but we know and we've talked about previously that last year was different, that that typical spring uh, summer dip in demand really didn't happen uh, last year. Uh, but for CN, um, their demand in recent weeks, uh, say over the last six weeks or so, is actually you know, it's trended down, which you would expect in normal uh, times, but it's gotten even lower than, um, you know, what we would normally see uh, based on historical averages. CP is trending down as well, and they are lower than last year, but they're not um, materially lower than, than, you know, the historical averages at this time. So, but CN is a bit of an outlier there in the last few weeks, for sure. So this rosy picture is about to get disruptive. Obviously, we've we've seen these, uh, you know, due to the BC wildfires around uh, uh, Lytton, BC, um, really significant um, issues happening with supply chain at the port with the railways, both railways, in fact. Um, what's uh, what's been happening there? What are the situations you've seen, um, and what should we expect going forward? Well. You know, we've talked many times on this podcast, uh, particularly over the last three months, let's say, when performance, uh, you know, 
went back to the levels that shippers were looking for. And, and as we just said, have been really, really good for the last 12 to 14 weeks. But we've always been cautious in some respects to say that, you know, the one thing that you always need to be wary of that could disrupt performance would be uh, what I would term an external shock to the system. So not so much about demand going up, um, but about something unforeseen happening. And we seem to have that now, uh, in, unfortunately, in, in the form of the BC wildfires, fires, and most notably, um, the fires around Lytton. Now, what has happened at Lytton is, you know, tragic, obviously, on many levels, but from the railway's perspective, it has resulted in the closure of uh, both CP, CP and CN's main lines, which has had the effect of uh, cutting off all rail access to and from uh, Vancouver, um, pretty much since June the 30th. So June the 30th lands, as it happens, right in the middle of week 48, which is what we will be reporting performance on this week. Um, we're not quite sure uh, if there's gonna be a material impact on performance. You know, We've seen the early numbers from shippers on order fulfillment for week 48. We're just crunching those numbers now. Outstanding orders seem to be climbing a little bit. Uh, from what I've seen so far, mostly on CN as opposed to CP, uh, but is that going to drive their order fulfillment down? You know, materially lower than what we've seen in recent weeks. I'm not sure, and we won't really know until um, we're finished. You know, running the numbers. Looking past that, though, um, I think there is uh, a pretty good case to be made that there's going to be. Um, not an insignificant impact on order fulfillment performance uh, in say weeks 49 and week 50. Hopefully it doesn't you know, go past that, but this is not gonna be a fast fix. Um, the problem is that when you have this kind of an event, um, you're not only uh, stemming the movement of loaded cars to the port, uh, but you're stemming the movement of empty cars coming back from the port into the country to supply those orders uh, for shippers in subsequent weeks. So, you know, with the, with the outage happening on June the 30th, which was, you know, uh, Wednesday, right in the middle of week 48, likely most of the cars that were going to be uh, used to spot empties for week 48 orders were already west, or sorry, already east of Kamloops. So perhaps minimal impact there, likely a much bigger impact uh, for weeks 49 and week 50. Um, so we'll see, but I think it's not unrealistic to expect that you know some impact is going to be seen. We do know uh, that CP has now, as of about 36 hours ago, I think, uh, managed to resume operations in the Vancouver corridor on a limited basis. Um, CN, uh, we don't think, but we don't know for sure whether or not they've been able to get to their track to begin to assess the damage and uh, begin repairs. The, the damage that has pretty much afflicted both railways is the fires burned all the ties on sections of track. So all those ties now need to be replaced, which is you know eminently doable and railways can do amazing things when they put their minds to it from an engineering perspective. 
but they actually have to be able to get to the track and, and get the equipment in place and the ties brought in, et cetera, et cetera, that will allow them to actually do the repairs. So as we sit here today, CP's track is open, at least on a limited basis. But what people need to understand is that this is not just about grain. You know, this stopped all traffic to and from the Port of Vancouver. So we're talking forest products, we're talking intermodal, we're talking all the bulk commodities, one of which is grain. So there's a huge backlog of traffic now that has, you know, been stopped trying to get to the port and similarly in the, in the opposite direction, trying to leave the port of Vancouver, although most of that traffic perhaps would be empty cars other than intermodal. Um, so the railways have to manage, you know, prioritizing traffic across all of the industry sectors um, and somewhere in there is grain. I can tell you that based on the numbers that we see over the last 24 to 30 hours, we've only seen about three or four grain trains actually find their way to Vancouver. Um, so, you know, it's a good sign. Traffic is moving, but it's going to be slow. And part of adding to that problem is going to be the fact that because CN's line remains closed, um, they're going to be looking to CP to detour some of their traffic over CP's line, which is, you know, going to just further constrain capacity. So there's, there's some work to be done here. Um, you know, we used to have a saying in the railway, every day of disruption takes three to four days to fix. So both lines, and this is not a small one, so both lines were out for three to four days. So it's not unrealistic to think that it could take two weeks before this thing gets back to quote unquote normal. Yeah, it's a really unique and as you say, tragic situation. And, and I think, I mean, I don't, has it often been the case where, where both railways main lines would be out at the same time for this length of period? Is, have, have you ever seen that? Yeah, it, it's happened before. Um, you know, you can get avalanches that will take out um, uh, both lines. Not often at the same place at the same time. And that's really what's what's a little bit different about this one is they're in exactly the same place, pretty much. And they both went at the same time for the same reason. I mean, the damage is similar uh, and it's extensive. So... You know, we've seen, particularly in this part of, of, the, of the network, because it is subject, just based on the terrain, uh, to these kinds of outages, uh, particularly avalanches in the winter and in the spring. Um, but I think this one is going to stand out a little bit just because of, you know, the, the severity, the similarity, and the timing of, of the two outages. Okay, okay thanks for that, Milt. What would the impact be on this, on the, the sort of the vessel lineups in Vancouver, whether it's for agriculture or other commodities? Well, the, there's no question there's going to be an impact and it's probably going to be significant. And the longer that it lasts, the more significant it will get. I mean, there are vessels coming to the port of Vancouver, not just for grain, but for other commodities, for coal, for sulfur, for you know, forest products, containers, all of that traffic has, got, has had vessels probably pointing towards Vancouver for, you know, 60 or 90 days, and now they're showing up and, and the rail uh, system has been kind of segmented, so no traffic can get into Vancouver and out of Vancouver. In one sense, uh, 
on the grain side anyway. Um, fortunate to some extent that we're not in the middle of peak season when there's, you know, can be as many as 30 or 35 vessels uh, sitting at the port of Vancouver on any given day. So that's a bit of a positive if we have to look for one, but there's going to be an impact. There's no question. And, you know, for the port, it will be, are they going to run out of uh, anchorage? Um, how many vessels are going to be able to sit at, at berth? Uh, is there enough product in the various terminals and, you know, whether they be grain or for coal or for sulfur that will allow some vessels to load and keep moving, despite the fact that the inbound pipeline for those commodities has been, has been severed temporarily. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a problem. Um, and just to add to that, I'm sure this will be a, an ongoing discussion between shippers, railways and, and vessel operators will be issues around, you know, demurrage for vessels because loadings will be delayed. Um, and generally when that happens, that costs somebody money. And the debate of course will be, is this a force majeure event that will waive those kinds of charges or is it not? But you can expect it to be an active conversation in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, thanks very much, Milton. We'll definitely be be watching this and watching the reports, but uh, hopefully they they get that situation at least the fire under control and and um, and no more communities are, are threatened by that. Thanks for that, Milt. Really appreciate it. Uh, I think next week we'll uh, you know this this situation and and many others. You know, we often talk about the importance of, of rail lines, obviously, and um, and what can happen when they, they do go down and what that means for, for sort of the resilience of the network. Um, I think next week we'll explore a little bit the differences potentially between something like this and this overall concept that we often talk about, about network resiliency and whether we actually have a, a network that can handle, um, you know, what we need from it uh, when we do need it. So uh, appreciate your time today, Milt. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. And for those of you who would like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.